Hi, and welcome to my world. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. All right. Thank you guys for joining us today. My guest, somebody I've known for quite a while, Danielle Rush. Danielle, how are you? I am well. Awesome. Thanks for coming. So, how's life? Life is good. Yeah? How's Mike? Mike is good. That's fantastic. Very descriptive examples there of, of life. They're good. Um, so, I want to start off a li- uh, today and just kind of talking about, um, well, let's, let's start off with how we met do you remember how we met, Danielle? Um, there were, the first time I believe we met at a prayer at a church. That Maybe sounds it was right. Choctaw Road. Yeah, that might be the and case. We were there praying, and you were there leading the worship yep. for the night of prayer. Yeah. And I think we briefly said hello. Yeah, I remember that. And then uh, probably a year later, or something we uh, started working together. We did on staff. And, uh, yeah, that was good. You know, one of the things that I learned in that process, I learned some things about you that you are now implementing some of the things that I saw, um, that you are now doing as a part of your life, your job. So tell me about that a little bit. Actually, you know what, before we get into that, tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah. I have to get intimate like that. (laughs) My family, my family, um, I love my family. So my family uh, consists of my husband, Mike, um, that we met um, 18 years ago next week. Oh, congratulations. And then officially married 15 years ago next week as well. Officially married. <laughs> officially married. We can dive into that one later. <laughs> um, so we've been together a long time and we've been through a lot together and we've grown closer together through it all. And then we have two great kids, a son, who's our oldest, and a daughter, and they're both in their teenage years right now. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to playing paintball with your son. He's ready to shoot you. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll let him shoot me just to experience it. That's Everybody's got it, but I just have to let them because they never find me. He'll never know. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, want, I do want to get into what you're doing these days for work, for, uh, for your... Uh, I, well, yeah, for work. So to understand what I'm doing for work, you got to go back a little ways. Um, so I started in child care and then transitioned into ministry as um, a children's director. And then from there, um, there was many years in ministry. And so I've taken those experiences from both of those worlds and being involved in both of those roles for many years um, to do what I'm doing now. And so what I'm doing now is I am a 3E results coach. So I encourage, equip, and empower people to move forward and um, understanding from where they're at now, because I've been there, I've felt it, I know it, I've experienced it. But now I just get to share that um, wisdom and experience with them to help them move forward and not um, stay stuck because what they're doing is important. And they shouldn't be doing it alone. Yeah. So tell me about three E's. Encourage, equip, and empower. So the Lord um, 
put that on me as a, that's his calling for me. And I didn't realize it until um, I started into coaching um, that he had been developing me and training me um, with those three E's through all the seasons of my life. Mm-hmm. And I can look back and see where each one of those E's were growing and developing. And those E's kept popping up in me. They were always part of my vocabulary. Um, actually, when I would go into the Bible, I would see them written in the margin next to verses. Mm-hmm. And from there, um, that's how the coaching was developed, was um, the calling that he had given me to encourage, equip, and empower others. That's good. So I wanna, I'm going to challenge you a little bit on this, and I, I think I may have told you that I, like a while back when I asked you about doing this podcast, um, that I had a question I wanted to ask you, but I didn't want to tell you what it was. So this is it. Uh, so for um, the first time I heard about the concept of life coaching, um, I don't think there's an emoji that can represent the big enough eye roll that I give <laughs> when I see that. And so, and I say that to say, you know, you know, for a guy like me, I'm, I'm pretty much just like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, you know? And, and so, uh, but and I'm qualifying this, um, but you, when you and I were, one of the first things we worked together on was a thing called the next gen leadership project. And, what I, you know, I, I just uh, mentioned to you how I had this real passion for helping to develop these this next generation of leaders, um, you know, starting at age 18, basically, and that we'd kind of abandoned them. And so you started asking me questions about it. And you said, hey, well, let's sit down and talk about it. And so you're like, all right, tell me, tell me what you're thinking. So I just kind of vomited out all that was going on. You started writing it down and then you put it in a very succinct um, uh, way on paper and let me see that. Then you asked more questions and essentially developed that whole concept. And then in talking about, um, even the stream grace network doing the same kind of thing there. And so I begin to see the value of not the value of life coaching. I begin to see what life coaching meant. You know what I'm saying? Because for me, when I heard life coaching, I thought, well, somebody's just going to go say, Hey, do this. My dog's barking in the backyard. That's nice. (laughs) Yeah. You got the dog behind man. They're friends. You wouldn't know it because they yell at each other all the time. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the 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 thought process there is like, you know who you know this life the idea of a life coach and and uh, someone directing your your path or whatever and and that's not what it is, right? So what I want what I want you to do is, is talk a little bit about that. If I'm a, if I'm that guy, how do you tell me? How do you explain to me in a little deeper as to what value? what you do in this. Now I already know because I've experienced it, but, but if, if I didn't know, where do I get that value? Why would I want you to do this for me? So the best way to explain this I found is imagine that you're given a, a puzzle. So someone comes to you with this box of pieces and a puzzle and they say, this is the picture that I want this puzzle to turn out to look like. Right. But then they open the box and they dump all these pieces out. So as they're starting to put the puzzle together, they can't quite figure out where the pieces go and how they work and how you align it and they get stuck. And then that's where you kind of stop moving forward or building this um, picture that you have on your heart. And so you get stuck, you kind of get frustrated. And so what I love to do as a coach is come in and say like, Okay, where where is this picture? What is this picture supposed to look like? Like, what are you seeing? You're seeing, 
and then from there help you arrange the puzzles in the right places mm -hmm. so most of the time people already know um the the solutions to what they need to do uh, it just gets kind of mixed up and mumbled up in our heads and so the questions that i ask um, pull that out of you to make it clearer for you so you can see um, how to get the picture of the puzzle that you want yeah absolutely and and again from a first-hand experience i mean i, I absolutely seen that i remember telling different folks like it's it's hard to sometimes put into words that skill set. Um, but man, when you experience it, you're just like, wow, like this, you feel like it saved you. Like for me, it felt like it saved me months of effort. Um, and, and maybe got me past places I may never would have gotten past, you know what I'm saying? Like it helped yeah. me get to the heart of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a tremendous value. And I do think that a ton of people, like everybody would benefit from that moment because it is, it's like, uh, just an objective third party looking into your life going, Hey, this is what I see. Does that jive with you? You know? Yeah. Does it align with you? And does it align with what the spirit no, is No, jive. I said jive. <laughs> yeah. Jive. <laughs> jive is good too. So if you, if you think back to when I've walked with you through this in a coaching way, um, I never told you really what to do. Right. Um, but you figured out what you needed to do through us talking yeah. and the questions and building together. Yeah, it was awesome. I would encourage anybody to get with you on that. I think that it's, um, well, like I said, it's it's one of the most valuable things, especially folks that feel stuck. You know, I think in today's world, so many people, um, I think everybody wants to make a difference. Yeah. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And, uh, and right now I think they use social media to try to make that platform for them. But, um, but really they're just, they're, they don't believe in themselves or they're, they're stuck. They don't know where to move forward from what is in them, what is, what their passion is. And, uh, man, it would just be, it's just a blessing to be able to move, be able to move past that stuff. Yeah. And if you stay stuck there, um, what I've seen happen and what I've experienced personally is that you're not doing what you love. Right. So your, your energy and your drive and your ambition and stuff drains and mm. it drains quickly. And to be able to move forward into what you're called to do and what you love to do, that stirs back up that drive and that energy and, um, excitement to yeah. experience life again. Yeah. That's awesome. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I think we've already touched on it um, through the course of this, but maybe we can spend more time, but what are some of the things in your world that you're really the most passionate about? Like if you were to take and, and verbalize it, say like, this is something I care the most about, what would that be? Well, outside of my family, sure. so I definitely um, am passionate the most about my family and... Um, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be outside your family. Yeah. And then, of course, God, too. Like, yeah. super passionate about what the Lord does in my life and, and um, how he loves me. So outside of those two things, that what I'm passionate about is when I get to sit with people like you um, at coffee across the table and uh, just help them, like, help them um, get unstuck, help them prevail over their oppositions, help them um, find the purpose for what they're doing and uh, help them just pursue their objectives and, and not remain stuck. Um, that's what I'm passionate about. And then in those moments, 
there's nothing like it when you see someone when that light bulb hits them mm-hmm. and they have found the solution to their problem and they're ready to go forward and they actually do it and they implement it and they apply and their world changes for them. Like yeah. making that difference, that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. So when did you discover that? Because I, I mean, obviously it's it's des, um, developed into where you are now. Yes. But when did you first like go, oh my gosh, that's what I love? So it, I first noticed it in ministry and people would come sit in my office. And um, if you're a ministry leader of any sort, people sit in your chair and they start telling you yeah. all their, their problems, right? And I didn't want to leave them just sitting there with their problems. Like when they left, I wanted them to be um, able to find a solution. So they're not staying in their problems. And so I first started noticing that ministry when that would happen, when they would come sit in my office and they would leave um, refreshed. Mm -hmm. And then I started noticing it. So in ministry, um, the pastor at the time, uh, who was my boss, told me to start taking volunteers out for coffee. You know, just start listening to them, just start doing one-on-ones. I wasn't super excited about it at first. Um, but then the more I started doing it, the more I started loving it yeah. and just loving on the volunteers and helping them with their problems and counsel them and things like that. It was great. And so I can see where that started developing over the years and that passion started happening. And I learned through those moments. I learned what not to say. I learned what to say. I learned what questions to ask, what not to ask. You know, there's times where you I've asked something and it it did not go well and I'm like okay don't do that again right so it learned and and grew over through all those things and then in um, child care I became an instructor for um, teachers to get their certification in in early childhood and that same thing happens in those moments Mm -hmm. they don't quite know how to work with the kids but once they're equipped to work with the kids and they learn how and they apply it it changes their world and it changes their classrooms and it benefits the children. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I very much relate to that when I uh, spent three years um, outside of ministry work and just working in um, the secular market. I uh, realized quickly that the job that I was paid to do was really secondary to the job that God had called me to do. Exactly. And uh, uh, maybe even tertiary. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, people would come in the office and sit and talk, and then you realize after a while, you're like, huh, yeah, that's that's really what, what I'm doing here. That's, yeah. that's the benefit. Um, people matter. Man, they do. They do. You know, I, of course, this is why I do this, this podcast, because I genuinely, like the questions I'm asking, sometimes I know the answers because we've known each other, but but I find that even in that, I, am, I don't know the fullness you know, when I hear it and it's just because it evolves too. I mean, if you were to ask me a question today that you asked me a month ago, there's more depth to it. I I know myself more than I did a month ago. And so there's a greater depth to what, um, what I may share. Um, one of the things that, you know, I can look back in my life and, and see, um, people and, and maybe not just people, but even, I mean, people, but moments specifically, um, where somebody said something to me that just stuck. I remember my grandpa, told me when I was really young, my parents were going through a divorce and, uh, he said I could do anything I want to do. Now that's, that's kind of a cliche thing, right? To tell kids, but, um, but to all those people who think it's cliche, just know that I'm, I remember it today. And while I didn't think I was going to be limited because my parents were getting a divorce, him saying that just, you know, he was a man, a few words. I remember 
we were in the truck going to town, air quotes, <laughs> and uh, and he just said that, and that was it. And I thought, oh yeah, that's true, I can do that, <laughs> you know. So so along those lines, who are some people who have had a huge impact in your life? Who are some and 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 w- talk a little bit about that impact. So it would be people that have coached me along in my life. So uh, I learned how to coach by people coaching me as well. And throughout my life, um, I I knew I couldn't do things alone. And so I intentionally sought out people um, that I knew could help me, that I knew could help me find the answers. And so those people are the ones that have had the significant impact. So, the, I mean, the first one would be um, my mentor. Her name's Twyler. And, uh, I mean, she's had a huge impact in my life. I've known her Gosh, so many years. I'm trying to remember how many. I want to say 15, but um, she just she came along beside me throughout my life in in the good times and the tough times and the ugly times, and all along it was her intentions of meeting with me was not to tell me the sugar coated stuff that would make me feel good. It was to tell me the stuff that needed to be done to keep moving forward so I wouldn't remain stuck. And I'm forever grateful for that. Um, that helped me get past so many things in my life. Um, the other person, uh, was my pastor at one time when I was a kid's director and his, um, leadership, he would just, he led with positive influence. And I learned so much in that it wasn't led with telling me what to do and how to do it, but, but simply being a positive leader influenced me to be a positive person. Yeah, that's good. Um, along that same line. So what's, what's been one of the most, uh, like a moment you remember, it's a super positive moment that just made an impact on you, whether it was with them or somebody else, but, but a very significant positive moment from a person. Yeah. Or, or an experience really super positive moment. Wow. That's a deep question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, man, and you can give me 12 if you want. You can give them to me <laughs> as they line up. How are you want to do it? Wow. Um, well, I would say like a super positive moment was um, meeting my husband. Yeah. It was my birthday present. Can I use that one? <laughs> yeah, you sure can. Well, I'm, I'll give you an example from, from me. So, um, and Mike looks over from the couch. She's like, yes, good answer. <laughs> um, I remember uh, a circumstance, and I've, I've told this before, but... For me, and I won't tell it here, honestly, because um, it's not my job to cry on this podcast. It's the job of the guests. Yeah, that's what I was like. Do I start crying? <laughs> no, but I think um, when, and I'll just speak in general terms, when you find um, Im- impact, for me, it was when I see impact that I didn't know I had uh, in someone's life. And you see that lasting ripple effect of that, um, man, it just makes you stop and realize that, um we're we're being driven by something much bigger than ourselves yeah and and you know one of the things that i've learned is all the impact i try to make may or may not make impact right but it's when god uses me outside of my intent that the biggest impacts are made and so so that's kind of along those lines what i think about is some of the things that you've seen or you found out about and maybe you were trying to make impact it doesn't really matter but Um, but that's kind of what happens to me. Um, well there's, yeah, there's several times where, um, I've simply just met with people and encouraged them 
And years later, you you find out that that's what kept them going. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know. You were just simply having coffee with them and say, you know, you can do it. Um, so those are, those are significant times when you, you get the opportunity to witness how much that little seed um, meant to them. Um, so a significant one that I really remember. Oh, jeez. I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. That Jeremy. is totally I fine. Think about that. <laughs> I uh, I ex- accept and respect that answer. It's fine. Um, and I'm just gonna tell you one that I I was reminded of in this process. Um, when I was in high school was the first time that I uh, met Jesus, and uh, man, I was like all in. I mean, I'm an all in kind of guy, so that that wasn't too surprising. But um, I would bring this big Bible to school, and it was not about it really wasn't about showing the big Bible. It's just I had, that's the Bible I had. It was big. <laughs> and I had a lot of downtime in classes and I'd just read. And um, I didn't think much of it. There was a guy that sat next to me in an English or a history class. And a couple years after graduation, I didn't know him real well. I mean, you know, when you sit next to somebody in a class, they may never be your best friend, but, but for that class, you guys talk and cut up or whatever. And, and so, um, I saw this guy at uh, Taco Bell like a couple years after graduation and he just, I was in line and he runs up to me and he says, Jeremy, he's so excited. And he said, I got saved. Like he just could not wait to tell me he got saved. And so in my mind, I thought that was, it was surprising to me a little weird because uh, I never witnessed to him. I never said, man, you should know Jesus or anything like that. But what I, what I was able to, to glean from that is he wanted to tell me that so so in his mind, that was a connection. So he had seen at least something in me in, in that time in high school. And I, and I think about those moments, again, that impact that you don't know you're having. And, uh, you know, I don't know if anything I did, you know, encouraged him to seek out, you know, spiritual growth or anything, but uh, just seeing him excited. And man, it was probably the first time I remember seeing a tangible difference on a person. Mm-hmm. Um like something you could just absolutely perceive this glow. You know, people talk about pregnant women and their glow. I mean, that's what I saw with this guy. He wasn't pregnant, just so we're clear. <laughs> but but that glow, that energy, I mean, it was there. And uh, man, it just, it's an amazing thing. And, and, you know, when we play paintball, for those of you who don't know, I'm an avid paintball player, right? So I go all over the country and sometimes into other countries to play. And, um, uh, the guys on our team, we talk about this a lot, that you'll go out and you basically play for two days. You start noon on Saturday and you play till like two on Sunday and they they have a stand down at night, but there's kind of nonstop. And in that whole process, there are, um, there are moments that you'll remember, the stories you tell around the campfire where, you know, everything just lined up and set up right and you got a shot off and got a guy... And the comment that's made is those are the things that keep you coming out to play for golfers. It's one great hole that you played, you know, you get out there and, and you, you got a monster drive, every aspect of your game lined up right to, to get a good shot or a good um, score on a hole um, or a round of golf sometimes, but that's what keeps you coming. And I think it's, it's things like that when, when you see the impact that you've made um, accidentally that keep you confident and trusting that God's using you whether you see it or not. Yeah. And I just, you know, it's an exciting reality. I think it reminds me of one 
So um, I have this friend that I've been friends with for a very long time, and we were actually college roommates. And um, so we knew each other when um, the bull before Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so she she's seen all aspects of of the walks in my life. Um, so when I you know began a relationship with the Lord and then um, went into ministry and stuff like that, um, I went on a mission trip. Wanted to go on this mission trip to Ecuador, and I invited her along with me. Mm. So she was, um, I maybe putting her toes in the water of a relationship with Jesus, um, testing it out, you know, to see sure. what it's like. And I mean, she heard, you know, she's like she's seen all the walks in my life, so she's seen it in me. She's heard me talk about it and things like that. So she did. She ended up saying yes and going on this mission trip with me. And we would sit around each night and um, talk about the highs and lows of the mission trip and then, you know, basically like what the Lord had been teaching us through it and stuff. And um, she she was pretty quiet through all those things and, you know, could tell that she was unsure. But one thing I do remember was on that trip, um, I believe it was at the end and we were getting ready to leave, we, we got to go to this town and um, just go explore the town. So her and I went off and we found this church beautiful church over there it was so gorgeous so we went inside and we looked around and at one point I was had stepped back to look at something and I turn around and she's kneeling Mm. and um there this is real when I say this but there was like this light shining on her from the windows at that Mm. point and I got a picture of it and I believe I shared it with her I'll have to ask her if I did but um it was so sweet to see and then from that moment, you can see that she, the transformation has happened over the years to the point that now she encourages me with scripture um, when I need it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, um, you know, while I think the, the positive things keep us moving and uh, keep us coming back for more, so to speak, um, there are other things in our life that, that define, uh, maybe not define us, that... Uh, cause, uh, we'll call them bumps in the road that cause us sometimes to take pause, to redirect, to recenter, to, to take a second and go, okay, reevaluate what we're doing. Um, so what are some of the things that maybe you found to be your biggest, um, and I say biggest, I mean, just one of them, it doesn't really matter, uh, a disappointment in your life, something that you really had to process through. Wow, you do want to make me cry. <laughs> um, uh, a really disappointment. So, in my life or career? Yeah. Yes. Both. <laughs> That's right. Um. You hear the airplane coming? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm trying to decide which one to talk about. Uh, so there, like you said, there, there's disappointments that happen throughout life, and so one I would would say was. One of the first bigger disappointments to walk through was when my husband got ill. Mm-hmm. And it, it took them um, two years to figure out what was going on. And once they figured out, it was simple. You know, it was a simple fix. Um, and he was much better afterwards. But walking through that that process of, it was continual disappointments. You would go to one doctor or the, or the next specialist. And we even went to Mayo in the the continual disappointment was when they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And so those are some real raw conversations that begin to happen with the Lord. 
and um, to be real, like you kind of get disappointed with him at times as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I mean, he's faithful and he continues to show up in big ways, even in those moments when you're facing disappointments. Yeah, for sure, man. The the uh, I know for me, the kind of one of the bigger disappointments um, is just recognizing that I'd been in ministry for about ten years, and uh, and I got sick and. I hadn't been, I wasn't a sick guy, you know, I never went to the doctor or anything. And I I thought, well, I'm just going to pour into the Bible. Like, so there's got to be an answer there, you know. And so over about six weeks, I read the Bible cover to cover. And the disappointment came after that because I looked around at what I was doing in ministry and I thought, well, none of this is in the Bible. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I've got to reconcile that. That's a problem, you know. Um and so, uh, yeah, you, it begins to shape. So, so for me, what I, you know, what happened is I ended up diving into the idea of, um, okay, well, I want to do what I saw in the Bible. I want to reflect Jesus. Like that's mm-hmm. the main thing. What is Jesus doing? And uh, that's that makes sense. I'm going to model after that, you know. But they do, man. Disappointments. Um, and and then on to the next question. <laughs> uh, regrets. 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 They they a lot of times shape what's up. So there you go. What's your biggest regret? My biggest regret is oh geez. Um uh, man, um It's tough when you don't know what you're willing to share, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> There, there is no preparation for this. That's true. Just uh, for all those listening, nobody gets the questions ahead of time. If you know the questions, it's only because you've listened to the podcast. And unfortunately for Danelle, this is the first podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, the biggest regret is, um, man, losing sight of the the real purpose mm. at times and getting um, caught up in the... the Minimal things. I mean, at the times they don't seem minimal, but man, they're so minimal and getting caught up in and lost in those. So, you know, during that time when he was sick, um, he so he he did just about die at, at one point in yeah. in ICU, and um, that forever impacted me. In when I started looking at ministry as well, like what 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 are we doing? Like when it comes down to this last breath. Do they have a relationship with Christ? Mm-hmm. That's what matters. Um, and so all the other things didn't matter anymore. And so it changed my outlook on why we do things. Like if we're going to do something that comes down to that point, that last breath, do they have a relationship with Christ? Then let's do it for that purpose, not for any other purpose. Yeah. Um, and so I would say my regrets is um, getting lost in the other purposes that are not God's purpose. Yeah, that's good. That's good. How many times are we distracted by those things? Yeah. And when they're happening in the moment, of course, you know, that's that's what gets our attention. Yeah. Um, that's good. So I got two more questions. Now, they may evolve into more, but I've got two more I want to ask you. Um, and you can take time to think about them if you need to. But <clears throat> Can you, we play that? Is that that Jeopardy music? Yeah, I don't have it queued up. But I will get it. <laughs> Actually, I think it's. I don't think I can without violating copyright. I'll have to make my own version of it. Um, 
what if you had anything you could tell your younger self? Like, let's say you go back in time and talk to 18-year-old or 20-year-old Danell somewhere in there. What would you say to yourself? Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. He's got it. Um, it may not make sense now, but there is a purpose. And, and um, he will get you through whatever it is, so stop worrying. What was your biggest worry when you were 20? When I was 20? Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Um, well, when I or was, in that, you know, the yeah. person you're talking to, what was what was she worrying about? I mean, life, right? So you're new, you're out there, um, you've you've gone to college or you're in college, and it's what do you do next? What do you do next? What do you do next? And when what next isn't happening, what do you do then? And so there's just this worry of what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And um, man, he's he's already got it lined out for you. Yeah. Just just follow. That's good. I was talking with a, a friend of mine. He's um, mid, mid, late 20s, somewhere in there. <clears throat> and uh, I said, man, you know, he's looking for purpose all the time. And he feels like the job he's in is not a big, awesome job, right? Yeah. And I just said, you know, I feel like, because I have a 21-year-old son and a 20-year-old son and a 9-year-old son. But you know, I, I said, man, I, I realize that you've been told your whole life that you need to do something big, whether it's from your parents, from teachers, whatever. It's all about preparing to do something big. And I like to talk about my wife's uh, career because she didn't set out to do what she does. Um, the industry she works in is a very small industry. My um, mother and I started a business when I was 18, um, and my wife came and was answering phones <laughs> for that company. And, you know, 25 years later, she's still in that industry, and now she's doing what she's doing. And I said, you know, one of the things I've learned about um, the way I process that kind of thing is um, you effort to be able to find something you can do um, that enables you to do what you love and what you're passionate about. Yeah, and learn from it. Absolutely. Everything connects to something else that you've learned from a previous experience. Right. And finding the significance in that moment. Don't look for your job because that becomes an identity issue, right? So I'm only valuable because of what I do. And uh, that's not how it works. It's just not how it works. You know, I always tell people about the painting, right? So if I paint something, I can tell you it's worthless. (laughs) It's not even worth what the canvas costs because you can't really use that canvas now that I've painted it. (laughs) Unless you paint over it. But if someone comes along and buys it, whatever they spend on that painting is what it's worth now Mm -hmm. because that's what they spent. And when we look at what God has done for us, right? Christ paid the ultimate price for us. We are priceless, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. He made us priceless. And so when we recognize that we walk in that reality, then it changes the the landscape quite a bit because now I don't get my value from what I do. What I do now is an extension of who God's made me to be and I'm just living in that space. And good, bad, and different. My perspective of whether that's awesome or not awesome is not his perspective. It's still within his plan. So, anyway. What was your biggest regret? My biggest regret? Oh, man. That's a good question. Why you got to turn around on me? <laughs> it's easier for me just to ask. I mean, I have... <clears throat> 
I remember, and this isn't my biggest regret, but this is one that's significant that sticks out to me. I was a young worship leader, um, not for, not in ministry yet. I was um, like 15, 16 years old, 17 years old, something like that. And I was leading worship in a youth group, and I had this band of guys. And there was, um, there was four of us. I mean, it was uh, a guitar player, drummer, bass player, and myself leading, uh, singing, playing keyboard. And, man, we were... We were young, and of course, I thought we were really good, you know. Um, I remember a, a person I respect greatly, a really talented musician, said, man, you guys are tight. You're tighter than our band. And he said, you speed up and slow down together, which if you're a musician, that is a real knock on your ability to keep good time. <laughs> but we did. We we sped up and slowed down together. Um but I remember, because uh, we were all young, the bass player's parents uh, were moving. Um, they had to move. Uh, the dad was uh, got a new job and was moving. And I remember thinking, it's over. You know, this time we're, we're spending together is gone now. And, and I, I regretted not appreciating the now. Yeah. You know, because I was always looking to the future, what we could do, what we're going to do. And it never stopped to smell the roses to really appreciate the now. And, and when I say it's a regret, it was, I'm glad the experience happened because I feel like it was a a relatively painless lesson that I've applied to my whole life to Mm -hmm. recognize that man, you know, vision's awesome, right? But there's joy in the journey, they always say. And so when you're, when you're focused on the destination, you miss the journey. You do. And I missed a huge chunk of that journey. I wrote a song with the guitar player in that time frame. He had this really cool chord progression, and and I added a little bit to it, and we just wrote this song. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of time spent on it. We thought, it, you know, it was, it was cool. We liked the song. Well, years later, um, that guitar player and his brother had a band, and they were playing youth camps and, and conferences all over the country. And, and uh, I don't know, it was probably probably about four years later. Anyway... Uh, a buddy of mine came in and wanted me to hear this song on uh, a new CD that was out. And uh, this one, CDs were prolific as versus MP3. What are those? Yeah, I know, right? And uh, he said, play track seven. And I'm playing this song. And and uh, it took me a little minute, but I realized it's the song that me and this guy wrote. And I thought, well, my gosh, like what happened here? Like I'm totally lost. And, and it was kind of the first time anything I had created like that had gotten published. And, and, uh, you know, I say that to say that in that moment where I never stopped to smell the roses, where I was looking toward the future is when that song was written and I barely remember it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's, it, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's helped me to enjoy each moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we do that, you know, I posted today uh, a scripture and it's basically where Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or wear or anything and, and seek first the kingdom of God. And, you know, it's the, and what I posted on online was that it was kind of the embodiment of give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. And so I keep keeping the forefront for me, the daily. And while I have plans and ideas and concepts that I want to see happen in the future, I just live today. I get up this morning and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go have coffee and I'm going to just let God be God. What do you want from me today? I have a plan when we're done with this podcast. 
I'm going to go get some building materials and build something. I didn't plan on that yesterday, <laughs> but today that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, man, I think there's value for those who plan. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a five-year guy. I look down the road, and there's, there's tremendous value to stopping and smelling the roses, appreciating the day, and letting it just come. And so I kind of make a habit of, uh, you know, as I have those plans, I make a habit of, of only filling up a certain amount of the day with what's planned and leave the rest completely open. Now, I stay really busy in that because when someone calls and says, hey, can you do this? I'm like, yep, <laughs> because I have that time open. But anyway, that's my biggest It's. Uh, I used to have this sign. I still have it, actually, um, that I kept on my desk that said, God, what do you have for me today? Mm-hmm. So that keeps you open and available to his opportunities. Um, but you... In between those moments, you you do what else he's told you to do. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, it's like in a trip, you know, you're going, if you're going to, uh, on a road trip, you're going to stop and get gas. Where you stop and get gas is kind of up to you. you got kind of a range. Um, but where you're going is up to him. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you had five minutes, not that you have to take five minutes, if you had five minutes to tell the whole world something, which like, okay, this is it. You guys need to hear this. And you grab them by the, the cheeks and you squeeze their face and you say, listen to me. If you had that moment, the whole world's attention, what would you say? Look for the grace in each day. Like It's there. He's present every day. Um, there's grace in every day, no matter how bad it is. Um, so take, take time and re- change your focus from your problems and look for the grace in each day. Something as simple as driving by and you see purple wildflowers on the side of the road to um, something significant that, um, you know, money showed up in your mailbox. I mean, it just look for the grace in each day. Mm, that's good. Danielle, thank you so much for being the first guest on the Conversations podcast. Well, I'm definitely honored. The, the official <laughs> if it, we've had the conversations, but this is the first time we're recording them. <laughs> yes. I look forward to more. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, this is, uh, this is part of the stream grace network. You're going to have a program on the stream grace network with us. So I look forward to that. And, uh, you guys, thanks for listening to this conversation. I hope that, uh, you got to know a little bit more about Danielle rush and, uh, we will see you next time. Find more episodes at streamgrace.com.